0: Let's do this. I'm going to pick on, um, since this is holiday week, we've got an even smaller crowd than normal, I'm going to just be a bit even more informal today. I'm going to pick on Julie. Can I pick on you, Julie, to pray uh, for us? And not only, uh, or let me do this. Who, I'm going to ask Julie to pray for us. I, I want, who would, uh, maybe even a younger person, volunteer to read the scripture that I have printed out Anybody brave enough to read out loud for us this morning? No, no, Bueller, Bueller. Okay, oh, we got a, what do you think, Mom, Cassandra? (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'm going to have, I'm going to have Brooke, are we good, Simon? Try it, okay. Uh, I'm going to let Julie pray for us, all right, and for our time in God's Word, and then Malachi, no. Desmond, I got him switched. I'm sorry. Malachi and Desmond. Okay, so Julie's going to pray for us, and then, buddy, you get to read that, okay? We can do it. Let's pray.:
1: Dear Father, I thank you so much for this church, where we can gather together in your name, the one name that unites us together by your spirit, Father. I just thank you that we can join in the glory between you and the Father, and you've invited us in with that, and it's just all about the glory of of you, and that's why we're here. And you see all the things that each one of us are going through, and you also see everything our church is going through. And it's not surprising because we have an enemy that is always wanting to tear at us, but unity prevails in your spirit father and i thank you i thank you for pouring out your spirit on this place and on each one of us father help us to long for that unity and to continue to strive for that unity to honor and glorify you and bless the service this morning to encourage every one of us in jesus name amen
0: amen okay now desmond i'm gonna have you read that pretty long sheet okay and And mom can jump in here if she needs to, but we're counting on you. Okay, before you read it, Desmond, just a second. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Exodus chapter 12, okay? And here's what we're going to do this morning, guys, okay? Uh, And I hope it's okay if I come down here on the floor. I know that I don't have the height that Dan does, but uh, if you can see me, that's fine, okay? And we're going to participate a little bit this morning. Here's what we're doing. We're stepping out of our summer series, Encountering Jesus, this morning just to consider communion. And we're going to celebrate communion in a minute, but this ancient tradition that we have, and I just want to do a little teaching on it. And so we're going to go back and consider the history of this thing, communion, that actually begins in the Old Testament with a, with a tradition called Passover, Okay, so Desmond is going to give us a little bit of the history, and then I'll kind of map out what we're going to talk about. Okay, and this will be on the screen too, but Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 16 through 28, okay? You ready, Desmond?
2: On the first day, you shall hold a holy assembly And on the seventh day, a holy assembly, no work shall be done on those days, but wait, what? Everyone needs to eat that Alone, maybe, maybe pre- per- prepared by you, and you shall observe and the feast of unleavened bread for on this very day. I brought your hosts out for of the land of Egypt, therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statue of forever in the first month of from your fort the fourteenth day of the month at evening you shall eat unleavened bread until the twentieth twenty first day of the month at eleven at evening for seven days no leaven is to be found in your house. If anyone eats what was, eats what the is leavened, that person will be cut off from the, Congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner Sojourner or a navigator native Native of the island land, you shall eat nothing then leavened in all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. Unleavened. Then Moses called all the Israelites Elders Elders of the of Israel and said to get to them and go select lambs for ourselves according, according to our your clans. Your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take lambs, a bunch, a bunch of his up, of his up and,
1: dip
2: it? and dip it. Wait, what chapter am I on? What chapter are you on? Okay. It.
0: You got, yeah, you
2: got it. got okay. it. In the blood. And dip it in the blood that is in the br- basin. basin. and touch the lintel, and the two drop- door doorposts will with the blood that is in the basin none of your shall go out on the uh, of the door of his house until the morning for the lord will pass through to strike the egypts Egyptian. egyptians and when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorpost. The Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroy destroy to enter your house to strike you. you You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, As he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when you children say to you, what do you mean by this servants? You shall say it is of Israel Israel, in Egypt when he struck struck the Egyptians but spared spared our houses houses and the people bowed their heads and worshipped Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses Moses and Aaron, so they
0: did. Amen. Way to go, Desmond. And how old are you, buddy? How old are you? six. And let me tell you something, that's great. You know, most of us would do really well to carefully read the Bible like that as we just did. If we would just be so careful about the words that we read and just soak it in, that would be so good for our souls. We just learned something right there before we even got to the sermon, just from the scripture. Thank you, Desmond. That was a great job. So here's what I want to do this morning as we think about communion, all right? This is set up. You may not have realized that yet, but the Passover was the setup, was the history that Jesus then transitioned as he instituted this thing called the Lord's Supper. He was celebrating a Passover meal. And for those of you that may be new to us this morning, we have begun celebrating celebrating the Lord's Supper weekly here at Centennial Church. We've always done it fairly frequently, but we've been doing it weekly. And this passage from Exodus 12 gives us a little bit of the historical background of what Jews celebrated as as Jesus reinstituted, transitioned this celebration to where it became not just a yearly Passover, but a regular celebration of Jesus' followers So communion or the Lord's table or the Eucharist, some traditions call it, is a tradition that Christians have celebrated for hundreds, yes, thousands of years. So when we come forward and we celebrate this weekly, kids, adults, we are carrying on a tradition that has been part of God's family for hundreds and thousands of years. And so it's important, I think, for us to understand and to make sure we can get as much meaning out of this tradition and this meal that we can, okay? So here's what we're going to do with the time that we have remaining, I want to do this quickly, but here's what we want to do. Here's what I'm going to attempt to do this morning. Four things, okay? Pray for me. Pray for us. First of all, I want to commend us. Secondly, I'm going to offend us. Thirdly, okay, I'm going to instruct us. And fourthly, I'm going to invite us, okay, to the table. You get that? Commend you, offend you, instruct you, invite you, all right? First of all, commend you. Let me commend you this morning because you have gathered with the people of God to worship God and to be reminded of God and celebrate God and to celebrate the table, to sing to God, to hear the Word of God read and preached. So let me commend you because this habit of gathering as God's people is a habit that Hebrews chapter 10 says we should not forsake. We should not forsake the assembling together, the gathering together as a church family. Because it's not just a tradition that we do, but it's a tradition and it's a gathering that forms us, that shapes us. By being here together, we are being formed as God's people. All of us have habits that we do and traditions that we hold on to that are things that we don't just do, but they're things that actually do something to us, right? If you get up in the morning and you have a habit of running around the block or doing your exercises, your workout, you're not just doing something. That habit is doing something to you, right? You may have a habit of getting up, and the first thing you do is you go over to that coffee pot, and you hit on, and you're making coffee, and you're not just doing something, but that ritual, if you will, that tradition is actually doing something to you. You realize that? Habits form us, and this gathering together of God's people is is something that the scriptures and the Lord himself says we should not neglect, even if it's a holiday weekend, but we'll forgive those who are traveling, okay? We should not neglect, we should not disdain, but we should be adamant about gathering as the people of God, because even if you walk away from here and you're like, you know what, I didn't like that song, or the preacher was off today, Even if you don't like it, or even if you don't get something out of it, God is forming us over and over by these habits, by these traditions. And that's also what he does through this tradition of communion. So first of all, I commend you. Now secondly, let me offend you, okay? And here's the offense, most of us in this room are snobs. Did you hear me? Most of us are in this room are snobs. Now, kids, when I say snobs, what do I mean? What's a snob, Hannah, Kayla? Anybody define snobbery for me? It's arrogance. It's thinking you're better than other people, right? And there are all different types of snobs, aren't there? I mean, let's just be honest. Let's go back, okay? The school, the middle school, high school perhaps, you had snobs, right? You actually broke up whole groups of people into categories as snobs, right? That table at the lunchroom, they're snobs. And we thought they were snobs, why? Because they thought they were better than we were, right? Or we thought we were, better. I mean, let's, let's, be, let's be honest. Some of us were the snobs, right? Well, there's more than one way to be a snob. You can be a snob because you have more money than other people, right? So you're kind of a financial snob. You can be a snob because you kind of think you're prettier and more popular than other people. You can be kind of a beauty snob. You can be an athletic snob, right? You're in the jock, the athletic crowd, so you kind of are a snob about that. You can be a snob. Because you live in Texas, and if you ask the other 49 states, they'll say, yeah, you guys are snobs, and they'll probably say some other things, but, you know, Texans kind of think, we've got it together, and we won't even go on to the university snobs, you know, and what university you come from, and you're a snob about that, or maybe you just are flat inferior because you went to the wrong school, right? There's all different ways to be a snob, and here's one type of snobbery that we don't think about, but a guy named C.S. Lewis, a generation ago, talked about being chronological snobs. Chronological snobbery. Now, what does that mean? Somebody, Jim Hessen's not here today. He's our C.S. Lewis scholar, but what's a chronological snob? Somebody, just anybody. Don't be shy. Don't be quiet today, okay? You can Google it if you'd like, Yvonne. A chronological snob, okay, are those of us who feel like our time, our generation is just better than the generations before. We're chronological snobs. We just think that our parents' generation, our grandparents' generations, they just got it all wrong and they were backwards and they were from the wrong part of town and they were from the wrong time and they were just had old-fashioned ideas. The we, we are the enlightened ones. We are moderns or post-moderns, and so we stand on the shoulders of all these people that got it wrong back through the centuries. We are chronological snobs, and you know what that means. You know what that means. That means for most of us in this room, kids, listen up to me. For most of us in this room, we look down on old things. We look down on old things and traditions. I mean, most of us, kids, most of you are growing up in an area around here where to find something physical or a building that's older than 25 years old is old and yucky. We are, and by nature of where we live, we are chronological snobs. So let me give you an example of this. It's going to embarrass a couple of people down here. About a week ago, we were driving down Virginia, and we saw this interesting looking car pull up to the left of us, and it looked like my kids were like, what is that? That is so stupid. That is so ugly. And that, okay, I owe them $5 because I used them in an illustration. That's the agreement we have. That just cost me $10. I'll be taking donations. Uh, That my brothers and sisters is called an El Camino 1970-71. This this is old, this is outdated, just highly functional. I mean, it's a truck and a car put together. So that launched us into a conversation about being embarrassed about cars and old cars. And dad, why don't you get a newer car? And I said, Hey, you just stop it right there. When I was a kid, we had a Pontiac Grand Lamont Safari station wagon. And it was old and it was terrible. And I was embarrassed when my mom would come pick me up after school, be hitting right up in a station wagon. And a carpet on the top was coming undone, so it hung down on her head. <laughs> and the fake tent on the windows was peeling off and had these bubbles on it. Had this fake wood grain on the side. It was just like the family truckster and family vacation, if some of you. We tend to be chronological snobs. And we look down on what's old and traditional and ancient. Now, these shoes are not ancient, but I wore them especially today, so you can see. Vans, I got these for my birthday. These are not ancient, but they're old. They're retro. And they take me back to a time in life, yay, 1984, to the days of vans, thank you. I thought I'd get some amens. To the, danza, the days of vans and parachute pants. Can I get an amen? And Michael Jackson and Thriller but some of you don't appreciate what's old. And all the silliness aside, what we need to hear this morning is that God does not disdain what's old and what's ancient. We as Christians are historic traditional people. Now, I don't mean traditional in the sense of traditionalist, okay? We're well, we just going to go back in the old days. I'm not saying we're traditionalists, but I'm saying God actually instructs us to carry on traditions. Things that are old, things that are even thousands of years old. Thus, Communion that builds upon this ancient tradition of Passover where they put blood on the doorpost so that when the angel of death would pass over their homes, they would be covered by the blood and the firstborn in their home would not die because they were covered by the blood. They had a Passover lamb that they cooked and they had unleavened bread And every Passover they would remember this celebration of when they were brought out of slavery from Egypt and they were rescued from death by the blood of a lamb. And fast forward 2,000 years or so to where Jesus, who John the Baptist called what? called him the Lamb of God. Look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus would die on a cross on Passover week. And his blood, the Lamb of God, would cover all those who come under the blood. We wouldn't have to sacrifice animals anymore, but we'd have that one full final sacrifice in Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus comes into this context of Passover and we read about it in Matthew and Mark and Luke and we see hints of it in John in a different way where Jesus celebrates this Passover tradition, this ancient thing, and then he twists it and changes it and gives it new, fuller meaning because of what he's getting ready to do on the cross. So we didn't read all of... Exodus chapter 12, but if you look at Exodus chapter 11 and 12 and some of the verses we didn't read, I count seven descriptions that Moses gives us of this Passover meal. Look at what they are. We didn't read in verse 13, but in verse 13, it's called a sign, this Passover. Well, guess what? Communion, the Lord's table, is also kind of a sign it's a proclamation of what Jesus has done. Not only does he describe it as a sign, he describes it as a memorial. Passover is a memorial. And what does Jesus say as we partake of communion? He says, do this in remembrance of me. It's a memorial. Jesus is building on Passover and he's transforming Passover and fulfilling Passover as the final lamb of God. He calls it a statue three times, a feast feast. A rite, okay, R-I-T-E, and a service a couple times and a night of watching. Later in the passage, we didn't get to that one. Do you know that as we come to the Lord's table, as we take the bread and the cup that he said to take to remember him, we are remembering. It is a sign. It is a rite. It is a custom. It is a tradition. It is even a kind of watching. Do You realize that? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll look at it in just a second. Paul says that as we do this, we are waiting, awaiting, watching for the return of Jesus. So in communion, we celebrate that Jesus has come. The blood has been spilled and he paid for our deliverance from slavery. But we also watch in anticipation that he is going to come again and bring his kingdom. So Jesus builds on this Passover tradition. So we mustn't be anti-tradition. We mustn't, as Christians, be anti-ancient. That doesn't mean we have to be stuck in the past. We shouldn't be, because there's some things that Jesus actually told us. The Apostle Paul says, forget what lies behind, right? There's some things to forget in the past. Amen? (laughs) But there's also some things to remember and to practice, some traditions to repeat. So we can't disdain the past. We can't look down on the ancient. We actually celebrate the tradition. And let me show you this. Flip over now to the New Testament, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, okay? Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we typically start reading this when we celebrate communion about the 23rd verse, but first of all, let me take your attention to the second verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at this. Paul's writing, he says, look at these words, listen to the tradition language. He's getting ready to talk to them about the Lord's Supper, and verse 2, he says, now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain what? What? the traditions, even as I delivered them to you. Now again, some of us take a little bit of pride in that, hey, some of those people, they go to those old traditional churches, right? But we're not a traditional church. We're a contemporary church. And we get a little snobby about being a contemporary church, right? And here's my caution to us. Paul says, if you're going to be a biblical church, then you need to commend the traditions. So there are some traditions that he has given us, and two of them being baptism and communion are traditions that we're to practice and even appreciate and look forward to and be formed by, okay? That's verse 2. But then... He goes on in verses 23 and 26, and I'd like your participation here in this one, okay? I'm going to read through this, and then I'm going to ask for your participation, and I'm going to ask you to point out things in this passage that talk about the past, that allude to the present, and to talk about the future, okay? Past, present, and future. God's an eternal God. Scott made mention of this a couple times last week. God, we serve an eternal God. God. And as Christians, we have a unique relationship to the past, the present, and the future. It's a whole other sermon, probably. But let's read, read along with me, okay? Verses 23 through 26. Starts like this. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now stay with me. Let's keep this slide up here for a minute and participate with me. Where do you see an emphasis on the past? It's pretty obvious. What? What you received? Okay, I received it from the Lord. I'm delivering it to you. That's tradition language, isn't it? I received this from Jesus. I received it from the other apostles. I'm delivering it to you. That's tradition language rooted in something before Paul, something before you and I. Any other indications of past tense here? Speak up. What? Betrayed. Okay, this happened in the past. He was betrayed. All of these things, actually. He was betrayed. He broke the bread. What about present tense? What aspect of the present as we read this and as we celebrate communion? Do this right now. As you take it, You're remembering something in the past, but you're remembering right now. You're celebrating my body, my blood right now, right? Anything else? New covenant. It's not the old covenant. It's not the Mosaic covenant, but this is a new covenant that I'm initiating now, present tense. And then what about future? As often as you do this, Until when? Until he comes, which is not now, but is still future, right? You see that? Past, present, and future. God is working sovereignly. God is accomplishing his covenant, accomplishing his plan, past, present and future and as we come to the table we are linked to the past and God's works and God's promises we are energized and transformed in the presence in, in the present as we remember and we are anticipating the future when he comes but also this table also pictures our future which revelation chapter 21, 22 talks about a wedding feast, a banquet table, past, present, and future. So we're not stuck in the past, right? But we appreciate the past. We're not just living for the moment, living for today, but we're living today today. In light of the past and in light of the future that God's bringing, the kingdom that's coming, we're living today in light of the past and in light of the future, and we're also futurists. We're looking forward to the future that God has with us. So here's two summaries. We are historically shaped people living today in light of the future. And secondly, communion connects us to our past while picturing and anticipating our future. So, I want to invite you this morning as we come to the table to not go through the motions, but to think we, I am joining millions of believers throughout time who practiced this same tradition that connects us to our roots and anticipates our future. It invites us to remember and it links us with all who have also followed in faith of Jesus. Amen? So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like to give you just a moment to bow your head and prepare your heart to celebrate, okay? I want to invite our worship team to go ahead and come forward. If you're serving communion this morning, I want to invite you to go ahead and come forward and take the elements. And as the band plays, I just want to give you a moment to prepare your heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says that we should examine ourselves before we come to the table. And so I invite you to examine yourself, to examine your relationships And I also caution you, if you do not know Jesus, if he is not your lamb of God, if you have not trusted in Jesus, I invite you to just stay seated. It would be better for you to not participate than to participate in this tradition, the family tradition of which you are not yet a part of. And I would love to talk to you. One of our elders would love to talk to you afterwards about how to place your faith in Jesus and join this family. So bow your head with me. Take a moment right where you're seated. God that we come to you in this moment and we are so grateful that we come this morning not to an altar to offer the best of our animals but we come to a table to celebrate the provision that you made for us that we have no lamb satisfactory but you God sacrifice your firstborn son your only begotten son to cover us by his blood, to forgive us our sins and to bring us out of bondage to slavery and give us the freedom of sons and daughters. We thank you, Jesus, for coming to our rescue, for living the life we couldn't live, for dying the death that we deserve and for conquering sin and death through the resurrection. We pray, God, that you would make us people who appreciate your work in the past, traditional people who live faithfully today in light of your work in the past and light of your coming soon. Jesus, strengthen us through the table this morning. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts as we partake. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus that we come. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we celebrate. In the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
1: Come, remember and celebrate.